Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next on the OHIO podcast, we review Ohio State's big win in East Lansing over Sparty and who is better in their sophomore campaign, Marvin Harrison Jr. this year? Or Jackson Smith and the Jigba last year. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, and I am joined by my two compadres, amigos, partners in crime, law-breaking citizens, apparently, if you... Uh, and they know what I'm talking about. So that's a little bit of an inside <laughs> joke. And if you don't, go to our Facebook page or any of our social media pages and take a look at our new logo and you'll know kind of why. But anyways, we'll address that down the road someday. How you guys doing? Aaron, Chris, Aaron, how you doing, man? I've never been, uh, you know, part of a, a criminal enterprise such as this before. So... <laughs> Yeah. Who would have thought? You know who would who would have ever realized, huh? Somebody in the federal government, a, a preacher, and then a, a business owner. <laughs> Sounds like the start <laughs> to a great joke. Yeah, this is like an episode of The Sopranos, apparently. You know? Yeah, yeah. Chris, how's it going on this lovely Sunday? We won't talk about uh, the uh, team in Northeast Ohio. How about that? I, I appreciate that because that's just painful to watch anymore. But let me tell you, I'm I'm doing great overall. I'll tell you, we had such a great time yesterday, Eric. I mean, the, the folks down in Marietta, just amazing. Uh, you know, got to enjoy the watch party down there. Got to hang out with our buddy Mike Wargo, as well as uh, Jamal Luke, who were just absolutely fabulous guys to hang out with. Uh, you know, the, the Elks Lodge there treated us very, very well. I mean, a little disappointed I didn't come away with any of the winnings, but, you know, <laughs> it was it was a good time. I, I can't wait till we go back. They were such engaged fans. I mean, got, got to say shout out to Tony. Those were some good Buckeye, uh, Buckeyes she brought in, you know, mm-hmm. even though we shouldn't have been eating them, Eric. I know. They were, I know. They were still good. And, uh, yeah, just just a great time. It was fantastic, and if you're listening to this, and this is the first time you listen to this, but you were one of the uh, uh, people down watching the game there at the Elks Lodge in Marietta, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the podcast and our show, and uh, we're looking forward to a meeting back up with you guys again. If it's not until next year, I do know I think we're going to be coming back next year. That was a lot of fun, and gosh, it was just a great time down there. Buckeye Bob, that guy is awesome. Yeah, and like you said, Chris, just a great engaged uh, audience there and a lot of a lot of fun. Great place to watch a game, too. Um, so one of our listeners, uh, Robert Allen, um, he asked me if I would. And since he's been such a loyal listener and since he came to our 
um, tailgate party at the, the spring game, and we got to meet him. He wanted me to let all of our listeners know that he has some brand new Aussie Doodle puppies. Um, uh, that uh, he has for sale, actually. And um, the dad, this is, I love this. The dad's name is Brutus, and the female uh, that delivered these puppies, her name was Scarlet. How about that? And these Aussie Doodles are for sale, and you can look at them on Paul Pals on Facebook or Oodle Paul Pals on Facebook. Uh, there you can take a look at them. Um, or you can give uh, Lolita a call at 740-213-6256. So if you're interested in a, an Aussie Doodle puppy uh, from one of our listeners, give Lolita a call at 740-213-6256. Uh, gosh, you couldn't come up with a better pu- a puppy from Brutus and Scarlet. That's awesome. Love that. So thanks again, Robert, for letting me know and for being a loyal listener. We appreciate you. Um, all right, guys, let's dive into this game yesterday. It was it was an interesting game, and it was a game that, quite frankly, as I started to do the rewatch today and what little time I did have, I got through about midway through the second quarter. It was interesting how that the mistakes were big mistakes, but at the same time, we – we're able to overcome those state mistakes so quickly through, I would say, dominating offense and defensive play on both sides of the ball, really, really in all honesty. So, yeah, there was a couple mistakes that were bad mistakes, but we're, and we'll get into those. But for the most part, this was a dominating performance. The team was definitely more engaged, and there's a lot of positives to talk about, and there is – a negative or two to address, and we will get to that. But that's my initial reaction from the game, first time going on the road, and I thought they performed very well. Aaron, what was your initial reaction from yesterday's big win in East Lansing going into now a bye week? Overall, I, th- I mean, I thought the team did really well. You know, I mean, consider the fact that Sparty had seven rushing yards total for the whole game. And only 202 total yards also for the whole game. So um, the defense, I was very pleased with. I thought they did really well. Uh, The corners, again, you know, um, we got to get turned around. Uh, Sparty attacked us the way I said they would in the red zone. Uh, They did. They threw the ball up one-on-one a couple of times. Uh, We got kind of lucky that they didn't come down with more of them. Um, but other than that, man, the linebackers looked great. The D line looked really good. Uh, I, I can't really say too many bad things about them. Uh, yeah, there were some penalties, but you know, compared to a few games ago, I'll take four penalties for 49 yards over eight or nine for 60 or 70. You know, I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. Um, offensively, we, I, again, we pretty much did exactly whatever we wanted to do, uh, minus one mistake by Stroud. I think that it was just a miscommunication between him and the receiver. That's going to happen. You know, um, thankfully, we were in a position where it wasn't something that really hurt us bad. Um, seemed like the end of the world at the time to some people, I would say, but not to me, really. Uh, not when you consider 614 total yards, 377 through the air, 237 on the ground. 29 first downs, guys. <laughs> That's insane. And then we had the ball for 37 minutes and 14 seconds. Like, what? That's that's incredible. So, I don't know. I can't get mad. I, I thought that I thought it was a, a pretty good game uh, overall. Chris. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was a pretty good game overall. Uh, you know, the offense looked great. Yeah, I mean. We, we had, like you guys said, a few few mistakes. The biggest being the, the miscommunication between CJ and Igbuka. But otherwise, I mean, Henderson was solid over 100 yards. We had Hayden uh, in 14 carries, 70 yards. Uh, you know, we had two receivers in Igbuka and Harrison, both going over 100. Julian Fleming came close to it. Uh, you know, the offense was clicking. Uh, defensively, Aaron, I'm going to take it a step further than you did because you talked about the 202. And the seven rushing yards. But if you take and break it down into what the starting offense gave up, 
The starting offense only allowed 113 yards passing and negative seven yards rushing. And they only gave up six of those 20 points. So, I mean, the starting defense looked awesome. Michael Hall Jr., shout out to this guy because he lived in the backfield creating chaos. You know, just an overall, I think, really, really solid performance. And by the way, guys, this defense now ranks number seven overall in the country and number 10 in scoring defense. So that being said, it's time to give the a report card to the offense and the defense, of course. Let's start with the offense. 377 passing yards yesterday, total 237 rushing. That's 614 offensive yards. Woo. Yards per play, 8.3. 8.3 yards per play. Aaron, you mentioned it, 29 first downs. They were 5 of 11 on third down. And time of possession was 37 minutes, 14 seconds, and only the one turnover on the miscommunication between C.J. Stroud and Emeka Egbuka, which did lead to seven points for Sparty. That being said, my offensive grade, A-. minus. Chris, what was your offensive grade from yesterday? Yeah, A-. minus. I agree. Just the one miscommunication was the only problem I really saw. Aaron. Yeah, make it three of them, man. I, I, I hate to give it an A-, minus, but we did – did commit a turnover, so I think that's only fair. On the other side of the ball, defensively, they gave up 195 yards passing, only seven yards rushing. Who would – oh, my gosh. I mean, not to not to um, rub salt in Sparty fans' wounds right now, but I don't think I would ever think that I would see the day when Michigan State only ran the ball for seven yards. That's that's terrible. And, I, you know, I, I, I want to give the defense credit for that, Aaron. I really do. But let's be honest. Even as good as our defense is playing right now. Seven yards rushing, that's that's just unacceptable. I mean, I don't care if you're playing the Georgia defense of 2021. You, you got to be able to run the ball for more than seven yards. Total yards allowed 202 yards per play, 4.2. First downs allowed, 12. Third down efficiency, again, they're getting off the field, 3 of 11. Uh, Michigan State was possessed the ball for 22 minutes and 46 seconds, and they did commit one turnover as well. Defensive letter grade, uh, I gave them a B plus. Uh, I thought the, the starters played to an A to an A plus. Second string came in and kind of ruined that, so B plus for me. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I. so my thing is this. You know, I've been kind of tough in recent weeks, but I think I had to take a step back this week and realize, like, I'm just going to grade the starters. And I, I know that, you know, the second string, all that matters. We kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I feel like a, I, I have to go with an A minus. I, I just feel like even though the second string kind of ruined a like an otherwise like perfect day, um, I I feel like they deserve an A minus. The, the sacks, the the turnover, the consistency, they, they they just they looked good, you know. And like you said, Eric, you know, a, a day where Sparty is running for only seven yards, and really that came against backups. Uh, <laughs> I had, that's that's in that 90 to 96% if you're given letter grades, you know, A minus. All right, Chris, what do you got for the defense? And see, Aaron, I got to disagree with you a little bit. Yeah, I thought the the uh, the first team probably played to an A, A minus, but the second team got on the field. I got to give them a B plus. And the big reasons were, obviously, we still got to clean up that defensive back play. And we had some sloppy penalties, uh, especially on Cam Brown and then Zach Harrison. And they were penalties that really kind of cost us because the Harrison penalty, the, fin, the hand of the face, cost Michael Hall another sack that would have got Michigan State off the field. And then, of course, the pass interference play by Brevin led to one of their touchdowns. So I went B+. Plus. All right. So that is that. That's how that's going to go there for us, guys. So we had two B-pluses, one A-minus. Aaron getting soft in his older years here, it looks like. So <laughs> I hate you. I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, by the way, not to not, 
Not to Not go really. off topic, but I, I saw where uh, Austin came downstairs ready to play some football. Yeah. That, that dude, that dude's <laughs> a baller, man. He's a little baller. I love he, it. He wanted – so he has like one of those little play Ohio State jerseys, you know, like the sets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, those pads that he has on are for like a 9-, 10-year-old kid. Yeah. So they're obviously like giant on him, but his jersey wouldn't fit over it. And he got mad about it. He wants to wear the jersey so bad. That's great. That's great. But he's ready to play. He he yeah. said, I'm play for the Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it when we see kids like that, man. It's it's just got to happen. Got to happen, right? That's how All we right. build them. That's it. That's how we make the greatest fan base in college sports. All right, guys, let's hand out some Buckeye leaves, shall we? I'm looking forward to this because this would be very, very interesting how we're going to roll here. The let's start with the offensive player of the game. I'm almost afraid to ask Aaron. <laughs> go for it. You know, even though he threw an interception, I'm gonna go with C.J. Stroud and Emek Egbuka. I knew you would. Yes, yes. You thought I wouldn't. <laughs> I was. I actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm sorry. I forgot that he scored three touchdowns. Then I started looking at the stat sheet just now. I just pulled it up. What, yes. you're not going for three of them? Maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you're not going to throw Egbuka in there just for kicks and giggles. No, to make no, I would for shiggles because, I mean, 28.6 yards you know, per reception is really, really stupid good. But I have to give it because of the touchdowns. And honestly, Harrison, like one of those catches he made was just incredible. So C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., there you go. All right, Chris, what about your offensive player of the game? I'm sorry, Eric. I know we get on Aaron about it occasionally, but I feel like if you put your name in the record books, you got to get a Buckeye leaf. So I got two. I got to go with C.J. Stroud. He surpassed Justin Fields yesterday for number two on that all-time touchdowns uh, list by a quarterback. And Marvin Harrison, who is now alone as the first Buckeye receiver to have three, three receiving touchdown games in his career. And by the way, he's done it with only seven starts. That's impressive. That's crazy. <sighs> Fine. I'll do it too, since we're going to have to expand the graphic length to the to fit both names in. I guess I might as well throw it in there as well. So CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison. There you go, Aaron. You, you, you twisted my arm. Defensive player of the game. Chris, I'll let you go first. Oh, for me, it was Michael Hall Jr. I mean, the kid's a beast. Like I said, living in the backfield, disrupting plays, creating chaos. Finished with three tackles, two and a half sacks. If not for Zach Harrison, it would have been three and a half sacks. He had a QB hurry on the day. Just the kid was everywhere back there. Give me Michael Hall Jr. Make it two. Aaron, what do you what's about you? Your defensive player yep. of the game. Yep. Make it three. And and here's what's crazy, guys. You ready for this? Any of you like to take a stab on how many snaps Michael Hall played in this game? Hmm. I will say twenty-five. Chris, take a stab. Nineteen. Seven defensive snaps is all he took in this game. Just seven? Seven. 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 Why did it feel like he was in there for so much longer? Because every time he was in there, he was sacking a freaking quarterback. How is he not in there more? He, That's what being, I'm saying. Uh, it, I don't know, dude. Although I will say this. Teron Vincent was pretty strong in there yesterday as well. He did look good. There you go. I mean, I, I when I saw that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Unless I misheard that. I could have. I don't. I mean, I thought I I thought that's what I heard them say this morning, that he was only had seven snaps in the game. Which just blows my mind if that's true. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, OK, let's go to the um, offensive play of the game. I'm going to give it to Marvin Harrison's third touchdown grab. That's just stupid sick. I mean, I sure. I I don't under, don't understand how it's humanly physically possible to do that, but somehow he, when it looks like he's completely out of control, the dude is con- completely in control of that body and shields the defender like I like like a pro, like an absolute pro. Uh, he's just he knows how to use his God-given physical ability 
on and those corner fade routes and the the comebackers and the back shoulder fades and I, I just back shoulder throws it's unbelievable. I know C.J. Stroud is really, really, really good, and he puts the football where only his receivers can catch it. But, guys, Marvin Harrison Jr. makes him also look pretty good, too. So that's my offensive play of the game. Aaron, what about yours? Same, man, same. Um, He had a couple really good catches, you know, yesterday, uh, but I think that 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 touchdown you're talking about there was probably the best one for me personally. Chris? Yeah, I'm with you guys. Like Aaron said, you could have picked any catch that he made yesterday. He made it look good. But Eric, if you realize that guy, I watched this in slow motion. I had to. He was virtually with his back to the goal line in almost a seated position in the air. His legs were that high up. (laughs) He caught the ball. I thought, I swear, I thought he was going to go behind or between the legs and behind his back like he was on a basketball court. That's the way he looked, and he twisted up. It, it was disgusting. And, you know, we were coming home from that the uh, show yesterday, and Ryan Day said, you know, they asked him about it, and his comment was, what was that? You know? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, I got the same thing. Defensive player hit of the game. So far, we're all in step. Uh, I'll let you go first, Aaron. Okay, so it was uh, Lathan Ransom's interception early in the game. I felt like that really set the tone, and we haven't really talked too much about Lathan Ransom this year. So it was really nice to have him showing that we do have depth. Uh, Josh Proctor wasn't. I don't know if he was in the game at that he point. He really didn't play to the, to the second half in all honesty. Yeah, that's what I thought, you know, but uh, Lathan Ransom was there and had great coverage, and he ran underneath that ball. It was overthrown. I'll give him that. But he was aware of the situation, and he made a play. He ran right underneath that thing. He was in position to do it, and he got it done. It set the tone early for the defense that, hey, Sparty, you're not throwing the ball deep on us today. And uh, pretty much they didn't. Chris. Yeah, I, I got the same play and, and basically the same reasons. I think that was a, a big momentum shift because Sparty was starting to move the ball a little bit going downfield on that first drive. And uh, Ransom took all that momentum right away from him. For the first time this season, we're going to all be in step with everything for buck, handing out Buckeye Lee's Laysom Ransom's interception was also my defensive player hit of the game. And so for the first time this season, everybody, we all agree uh, on all all four accounts here on who should get those Buckeye leaves. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got the Facebook poll question, and we have the listener questions, really good ones this week once again, so hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast. And it is now time for the Facebook poll question of the week. And this week's question is, is Marvin Harrison Jr.'s sophomore season so far this year more impressive than Jackson Smith and Jigba's sophomore season last year. Uh, Eric, I'm going to go ahead and read off these results, and then I would like to ask you and Chris what you voted for and why. So with 78% of the votes, a lot of our listeners think that Marvin Harrison Jr.'s sophomore season this year is more impressive than JSN's was last year. And 22% said no, obviously, if you're good at math or not good at math. I'm not good at math. Hey, I'm no math magician, okay? Anyway, Eric, who did you vote for? Well, who did you vote for? <laughs> Which one did you vote for, yes or no, and why? So <clears throat> I have not voted yet, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I'm struggling with this bad and i guess i'm kind of wanting to debate this before i vote i guess is that fair aaron um because i'm looking at his stats right now 31 marvin harrison jr 31 catches 
536 yards, nine touchdowns, 17.3 average. If we take that out to the through the course of the season, he's going to be somewhere around 1,300 yards and about 22 to 23 touchdowns, you know, for the season. Given the fact that we it, we could possibly play in the Big Ten championship and then two college football playoff games, so that's kind of what Marvin Harrison is is um, is going towards uh, is is on his way to trending towards I guess I should say uh, when it comes to his stats complete stats as a sophomore. Thinking back on Jackson Smith in the Jigba sophomore season, which was amazing last year. He ended up with 95 receptions, 1,606 yards, and nine touchdowns. The yards receptions were just astronomical. But if you recall, he really didn't come on until about the fifth or sixth game, about midway through the season. He had a couple decent games starting off. But I don't remember JSN becoming who we know him as today. Until the midweek se- uh, midweek of the season, and then of course down the stretch, and then he had just the sick Rose Bowl game. So I'm leaning probably a little bit to Marvin Harrison Jr. at this point, just because I think he's had more of an impact first uh, six games than what JSN did. But I'm not against hearing an argument for JSN. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I but I mean, honestly, I wish there was a third option, Eric. I wish that the we had put like or is it very even? Because for me, I, I put that yes, it is more impressive just because I mean I'm the type of person where it's kind of all about the touchdowns. JSN had you said nine. Nine total. Yeah, and Marvin Harrison's on the on the trajectory for twenty something. He's got nine already. Right. So to me, you know, the yardage is impressive so far. We're five, six games in. We're six games in now. Uh, so you double that up, like you said, all this, all the stuff you just said, Eric. Well, I, I think, think that uh, that that puts him on close to even ground. But when you add in the fact that he's having all he could have, okay, twice as many touchdowns, I think that makes it just as impressive. So. Before before you pipe in, Chris, because I know you want to get on this too, topic too, I got to clarify something, Aaron. Tell me if I'm wrong, but Emeka Egbuka seems to be playing that slot position that JSN played last year at, in, in, in the wide receiver room. Am I correct? I've seen him switch around. He's not just exclusively in that part, that role, but yeah, well, he but does Marvin, seem to be there more. Yeah, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there. He's too he's he's too tall to to be playing right. in a slot. Right. So my point is is that you're you're seeing Mar- you're seeing Marvin Harrison Jr. play what uh, Garrett Wilson played. Right. The, yeah. The same. Okay. I'll say this straight up right now. Marvin Harris or Garrett Wilson was really really good, right? But he I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has tools that even Garrett Wilson doesn't have. I agree. Okay. I will say that. Yep. Size and 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 that type of thing, you know, but. So it's it's almost not that it's unfair, but I, it is almost unfair to judge those two guys kind of that way because of the positions that they're playing. But but I love the question simply because I think it it spurs debate. And obviously it did based off of what you know people were saying down in the comment section. So sorry to interrupt. I just had to throw that in there but for clarification's sake, Chris. OK, so, guys, let, let me end the discussion. OK, so let's look at the. As you said, the totality of JSN's 2021 season. And it is a lot to expect from any receiver. Like you said, Eric, 95 catches, 1,606 yards, nine touchdowns, average 16.9 yards per catch. Uh, you know, very, very impressive. However, let's also remember 30 of those catches and 600 yards came in two games. The November 6th game against Nebraska and the Rose Bowl. If you look at the first six games of each uh, sophomore campaign, Smith and Jigma played against Minnesota, Oregon, Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. In those games, he had a total of 23 catches for 452 yards and three touchdowns, and he averaged 19.65 per catch. 
But he also had two top receivers on the top ten receivers on the outside, which drew attention and gave him easier coverages to face in the slot. If they were double teaming on Olave or on Wilson, that left Jackson Smith and Jigba one on one with a safety, a linebacker, whoever it may be. And I think that definitely meant, while it may have meant some less opportunities, it also meant much less, less attention on him defensively. During the first six games of Harrison's sophomore season, he's faced a top-ranked Notre Dame team, which, yeah, granted, it was probably an overinflated, I mean, we've seen it, it's overinflated, but it was a top-five team. Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Michigan State. I think those are pretty equal schedules. He has 31 catches, two more than Jackson Smith and Jigba did. 536 yards, 84 yards more than Jackson Smith and Jigba did. And nine touchdowns, which is as many as Smith and Jigba had all last season. He's averaging 17.3 yards per catch, which is slightly more than uh, uh, Smith and Jigba's 16.9 average during that time as well. He has done this without the advantage of a lot of Air Wilson on the outside to draw double coverage away. So, yes, this question said to this point of the season. So, yes, to this point of the season, I would say that I believe Harrison Jr. is actually having a better campaign, specifically statistically wise, than Smith and Jigba had during that amazing 21, 2021 season. Now, when Smith and Jigba comes back, it's, it, it remains to be seen if he'll be able to to maintain that level, uh, you know, because obviously he's going to lose some of the catches. But, you know, let's give credit where credit is due. To this point, he has had a better sophomore campaign, and that's not taking anything away from, from JSN. It's just giving credit where it's deserved, and, and that's to Harrison Jr. Hey, Aaron. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Take a stab at this. All right. I always love to throw these questions out. I always think you can give me pretty good answers. Would you like to take a stab at who had the most touchdowns in a single season as a wide receiver at Ohio State? Ever? A a single season. Not career total, but a single season. Well, I think it used to be Terry Glenn. You thought correct. It still is. Okay, all right. I couldn't remember yes. if Olave broke it, but I knew it was Terry Glenn at one point. Yeah. Terry Glenn, and it's it's actually so Olave had thirteen, okay, which in two in twenty twenty one last year, which uh, and he had twelve uh two years before that in twenty nineteen as a sophomore, which is tied with David Boston, uh, for third, and then David Boston also had fourteen, which is second in nineteen ninety seven. We're six games in. He's got nine already. Yeah. Before we ever even get to the postseason, which those statistics still count, he might break this thing. I think Glenn had, what, 17? 17 in 1995. He's on a trajectory to break that in the regular season. Now, again, I, I agree with Chris. When JSN comes back, there's only one football here. But I also think that JSN could garner some attention to where these it, they continue defenses will continue to have to try to guard him one on one on the outside, which is just unfair. <laughs> so well, yeah, because right now he's the guy receiving the double coverage. It, it, well, and I tell you, I think it, you're right. But here's the other thing: I really do believe that uh, that um, Stroud has been coached. That when you see one-on-one on the outside, that's an automatic throw to him. Just throw it to him. Well, you'd be ridiculous not to. Because uh, considering his frame, his height, his hands, his athletic ability, th- those things right there are what make him the quality receiver that he is. Garrett Wilson was a freak athlete, but he wasn't 6'4 doing it. So yeah. that's the difference. I heard the nickname Marvin Tron yesterday for him. What? <laughs> yeah. Who came Mar- up with that? I don't know. Marvin. I Tron. like it. Though. Marvin <laughs> Tron. That's uh, pretty good. I kind of, I kind of think it's funny, but I don't know. It's, okay. it's cool. Whatever. <laughs> we'll roll I mean, with it. 
it it does it does put you right away into hey he's he's on that level you know to be considered up there with Megatron and you know some of the greats like that Moss and those guys I mean he he's built like a Randy Moss he really is yeah so, he's big look it up kids you don't know how good Randy Moss was there's a reason why they say you got Mossed okay uh he he was and what's even crazy do you realize he Moss and Chris Carter played together at one time. Yeah, they did. Remember those days, man? How did the Vikings not win a Super Bowl? Seriously. I don't know. Crazy. Uh, As they had Randy Cunningham at quarterback. (laughs) He wasn't bad. And Dante Culpepper. Yeah, Dante Culpepper. Again, not bad, but not good. Uh, okay. All right. They lost. Did, did, dude, didn't they lose to, like, somebody named Chris Chandler with the Falcons in 98? Yes. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't know how, you know. That's what I mean. Uh, Nobody knows, dude. Nobody knows who Chris Chandler is. Everybody knows who Dante Culpepper and Randall Cunningham are, and these teams lost to those guys. Like literally, Minnesota. It's like every year they would just fold in the playoffs somehow. Uh, Really good, really good football teams in regular season just couldn't do anything the postseason. I digress. This is not a Minnesota podcast. Uh, So yeah, great. I think it was a great um, poll question. I I think a lot of people are lean towards what Chris is saying right now. At least that's what the statistics are showing, Aaron, if I if I heard you correct. So uh, let the debate continue. Let's let it play out through the remainder of the season, and uh, we'll see, you know. But right now, I, I agree with Chris. I, I think maybe I'm leaning toward Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. All right, we got some Facebook poll questions, and they were we got some good ones, guys. So let's start off with the fact, by the way, uh, I love this. Brian Lee Oberst, uh, he he didn't even wait for us to post the yeah. questions for today. Chris and I are driving home from Marietta, and our phones ding us. Bing! We get a message from Brian Lee Oberst, and he's like, I got questions. <laughs> so thank you, Brian. We appreciate that. Uh, let's start with you, Chris. You, this one's going to be for you. He says, again, what an amazing game by Stroud and uh, his offensive weapons. Uh, two questions I have this week. First question. Will we see Jackson Smith again, and will Bab get to play this year? That's the first one, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah we talked about that a little bit when we saw it come up, Eric. And, and, yeah, I do believe we see Jackson Smith and Jigba again. I believe we see him after the bye week because they're going to want him, you know, up to speed and back in, you know, true game shape and ready to go uh, for that tough run that we're going to have through late October and through November. Uh, as far as Bab goes, yes, I do think we see him on the field. Um, you disagreed with me a little bit about when you thought perhaps it was going to come against. Uh, oh, who did you say? Was it? Uh, oh, you mean Cameron Bab? Yeah. Oh, Indiana. Indiana. Uh, I, I think we'll see him. We could see him as early as that. I, you know, this is going to be the kids last year, right? I mean, I, I think. I think he gets in for at least a play against Michigan because I think we dominate that game, but that could just be me getting the, you know, the the horse ahead of the cart, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we see them both this season. Question number two, Aaron. Defense defensive backs look better, better, but still at times look lost. Do you agree or disagree? Uh. I don't know if I would say lost. I feel like it's it's just a I I, I don't know. I, I it's because this has been puzzling me all season about Denzel Burke um, and now seemingly Cam but, Brown. You know, and Burke missed, played better, but then Cameron Brown was like like Brown got the Burksies yesterday. Yeah, that's I'm and like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like I know these guys can play. They're not lost in coverage, okay? They're it's like they get hurt or they're dinged up and then their technique just goes to crap or something. I don't know. I don't think that they're lost. I think they know exactly what they're doing, but there's something in the way that they can't. They're not executing the way that they know they they should be and that we have seen them do before. Because uh, if they were if they were lost in coverage, they'd be getting just absolutely destroyed slash burnt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's not what's happening. 
Chris, what was you going to say? Does it feel to you almost like maybe, and you mentioned the possibility, we don't know about injury, but do you feel like maybe there's an injury that's got them maybe playing scared a little bit in the way that they're playing? You know, they're given they're given the deeper cushions. They're kind of launching themselves at times. You know, they, well, they're I, their heads around. It, it almost feels like at times they're playing a little bit scared in what they're doing. Well, so yesterday I was kind of watching, and they had Burke lined up. I think it was like somewhere like seven to nine yards or six to eight. I couldn't really tell, but it was further off than what the other side was. That's a mixed coverage. So I don't know if they're doing that on purpose or like – and I say on purpose to like help Burke because I don't, I don't know if they're still physically injured or if there's – you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's – to say that it's possible, yes, it's possible. But I don't know if that's really what's going on because I, I mean I don't see them limping. I don't see them – I don't see that stuff going on, you know, but it is possible to answer your question. It's not like Tim Walton forgot how to coach. No, he definitely <laughs> okay. did. Okay, so the, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but it is evident if you've watched this team that the cornerbacks are beat up physically. And I don't know if it's practice. I don't know if this all happened in the off season, but they're not healthy. And I think possibly they're trying to compensate for that in some of the coverages that they're doing, Aaron. Am I right or am I wrong? Is that a possibility? Is it possible that they're like doing too complicated of coverages? Is that what you're no. asking? Like they're, they're, they're playing certain way. Like, Hey, we're going to play off six to eight yards over here. And uh, we're going to take a safety and lean him more towards your side because we know You've got a little bit of a of a gimp, you know, a little bit of a limp uh, that is uh, in in your wheel. You know, you're not completely healthy. Yeah, it's that's it's possible, but again, I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell um, because when you're trying to disguise coverages or you're mixing coverages, you know, you might call like a I don't know a just for because I don't know how Ohio State calls their defenses okay we could call it like a 24 coverage where one side is cover two the other side's cover four well the side that's cover four is going to play a little bit deeper than the side that's playing cover two does that make sense Mm -hmm. so i i don't know if if that's what they're doing if one of them's hurt i don't know it's it's entirely possible but I, I don't know for sure. I can't confirm anything because Ohio State keeps all that information so close to the vest. You just you don't right. know. Right. But I don't even know what's wrong with Mayan Williams. I, I know. No one knows. I mean, he he, he scores five touchdowns. The next thing you know, he doesn't even make the trip to Michigan State with the team. Yeah. What what happened there? Who knows? Reportedly, <laughs> it was a D. That's all. Say what? The D. But, but going back to Cam Brown, too, Eric, and you pointed this out yesterday when I was kind of getting down on him. Let's not forget, he was playing against probably one of the top five receivers in the nation. Right. Yeah. I mean, that kid's going to be a first-round draft pick. He, he's going to get his, you yeah. know. He's going to get his. But I, I, I told him, I said, I don't know that Cam Brown guards a another wide receiver until we play Maryland that's got that kind of talent. Right. Well, so. okay, that's a good point, Eric, and Chris, for that matter. And I would just like to remind everybody, okay, that these guys are actually performing quite well when you consider statistics, okay? Yeah, they like, they actually are. It's we're our expectations are just so high, okay, that we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he allowed that guy to catch the ball. Like he's gonna catch the ball sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean. That's easy to forget or, or let slide, but. These guys aren't just getting roasted like uh, Notre Dame. They let a couple of them fly. But like since then, they haven't really got hurt terribly. You know, they're doing a really nice job. It's just. We forget as fans that they're not they're they're not just the whole secondary is just going to shut everybody down. The quarterback's never going to have a completion. and These receivers aren't going to make plays because that's going to happen. Brian Lee Oberst has a big picture question here for us, and this would be interesting. It's kind of a college football question, and and uh, we'll go by, we'll go around here real quick. 
He says Georgia looks very beatable and Alabama got lucky today. By the way, I believe volunteers will beat Alabama next week. That's going to be a fun game. Got one more question. Do you think we are the best team in the country and should be number one? Chris. Yes. Aaron. Yes. Eric. Yes. All right. uh, Let's go to Facebook here. The other Facebook questions. Thank you for emailing those questions to us, Brian. Justin Bowman, we're halfway through the season. What has impressed you the most about this team, Aaron? I have to say the overall performance of the defense compared to last year. We went from I have no idea what to seventh, and it's still improving. All right. On the other, on the flip side, what is your biggest concern for the second half of the season, Aaron? My biggest concern for the second half is the health of the team in general, offense or defense. Uh, seems like we're never with Mayan Williams or Travion. I don't know if that's um, on purpose, you know, to make sure at least one of them is rested biweekly. Um, and then obviously the secondary health, uh, that is of concern to me because uh, we have to have protection on the outside of the field because if teams can throw on us, uh, well, you saw what Alabama could do throwing against us a couple years ago in the national title game. We don't need to see that again. Uh, a second question from Justin Bowman. Do you think there has been a shift in the offensive mindset recently, Chris, going into games wanting to establish more of the run game or does the offense seem more balanced because of how defenses are playing us? Good question, Justin. You know, I don't know if there's necessarily a shift in the mindset. I think that we are performing at a higher level, which allows Brian Day to, to rely more on the run game. Uh, remember last year we weren't, you know, getting those tough yards. We're getting those tough yards now. Uh, you know, and I think ideally, yeah, it might be somewhat of a shift allowing us to, you know, have a more balanced game. And like I, I was looking at the numbers yesterday, if you look at the numbers of just the starters, the number of attempts by C.J. Stroud and the number of, uh, you know, carries by uh, Travion Henderson and I believe Ibuka had a couple, uh, Xavier Johnson got in there and t- uh, took a couple during the, the starters' times out there. Those were very, very uh, – you know, almost mirrored each other on the the uh, the number of attempts. So I think it, I don't know if it's a different mindset as much as it's just we are finally to that point where we have an offensive line that is doing both so well equally that it's giving the opportunity to have a more balanced offense. From Tom Hunt, Aaron, yesterday, and, and since you played and coached, I think this is a uh, kind of a inside baseball type of question. Yesterday, you could see debris blowing across the field, and the temperature was in the low 40s. How do you guys stay warm? I see all these guys with bare arms and legs, and think back when I played, we had long sleeves and still had to have the Parkers to stay warm. Um. <laughs> well, eh, what was the temperature in the Midwest yesterday? Yeah, we were in the we were in the high 50s, low 60s, you know, when the sun was out. But up in Michigan State, it was in the low 40s. Okay, so I don't know how to explain this any other way except they're tough. Like, <laughs> not to be like, uh, you know, not to sound like rude or anything, but uh, you know, you're talking about athletes that are warmed up, amped up, ready to play, go hit people. They're constantly moving. Even if you're on the mm-hmm. sideline, you're at least walking back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I mean, that's that's how they stay warm. They're they're active. That's yeah. the blood moves, and that's and they're tough. Like their when mindset the, is is different. Yeah. When the starters came out, they got coats on. Yeah, I mean, sideline heaters don't hurt. Well, that uh, that's another thing. You know, like low forties, they're just gonna throw one of those like those overcoats that you see. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it is. Low 40s is not cold. It's no, not. it's not. I'm sorry. It's really... it's fo- football in the Midwest. That's that's football. That's what, Dude, that's what you do. And that's football. In the Army, we can't even wear gloves. Like you're not allowed to put your hands in your pockets at any point. But even low 40s, like no, you ain't. You're not wearing gloves. You're still wearing shorts and t-shirt to PT, bud. <laughs> all right. So. <clears throat> 
Chris, this is from our buddy Eric Osbeck. Even though it seems uh, it's a next man up for the running backs uh, and they're doing a really good job, do the constant injuries to Williams and Henderson create a worry for us long term? You know, I mean, you have to have some concern about it. But at the same time, Aaron had mentioned something earlier, and I don't know if he meant it to kind of sound this way, but is this maybe by design? Uh, You know, maybe is it actual injury or are we just maybe being overly cautious and having these guys setting out for this time? Uh, I would say the Mayan Williams injury is very curious to me because he didn't even make the trip, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe Mayan Williams, you know, it, it, they, like I said, they reported it was a knee, but is it something that maybe he could have played through and they just are being overly cautious because he is such a valuable member of the team? Uh, so I'm going to trust in day. And, and like I said, too, we do have a solid number three right now in, in Dallin Hayden. He, he's still somewhat raw. He's not quite the you know the style of runner that we have in in, in Mayan Williams and that you know in that uh, just tough gritty bowling ball type runner. He's not the the speed back that we have in Henderson, but he is a good guy to come in and give a change of pace for whichever one you know might be down at the time, and he's showing himself to be consistent. So I'm not overly worried. But I think any time that you do see the injury reports coming out there, you know, there's a little something in the back of your head that, you know, probably says, hey, can we do this without this person? Right now, I would say yes. So Mm. I think we're good. Okay. Last question for the both of you, and I'll let you go first, Aaron. Nick Quint asks, coming up on a bye week, what needs to be addressed and what are we going to address in the bye week for this team? I would say probably rest and getting guys close to 100%, if not all the way, 100% healthy. I think that should be the focus halfway through any season. Um, uh, I would say maybe we focus a little bit on coverage, but I think that the over uh, overhanging thing here is health and getting guys uh, back on the field. Chris? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously, we, we want to, and hopefully the health, it, it ties into what's going on with our defensive backs, because obviously there is still, you know, some fine-tuning that can be done there. But I think getting healthy and just keeping these guys, you know, the mindset where it needs to be is all that we have to worry about uh, over this break. Because I'll tell you, I, I firmly believe that we are the number one team in the nation right now, there. And I'll tell you, I've criticized Herbie for being at times, you know, a, a bit of a self-hating Buckeye guy. If he says we're number one, then I believe we're number one. There you go. All right, Chris, it's time to take that dreaded trip around the Big Ten. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you, Eric, you know, <laughs> the Big Ten is quickly becoming Bruno, and we don't talk about Bruno, let me tell you. Sorry, I, I work in an elementary school. That's what happens. Anyhow, as we've been talking about, obviously, the Buckeyes had a dominant win, just outright destroying the Michigan State Spartans 49-20. to 20. Uh, On Thursday, you know, Nebraska edged Rutgers in a, in a score fest. Let me tell you, it was 14-13 there. Uh, they had their second straight victory after firing Coach Scott Frost. Uh, Casey Thompson didn't look bad. 24, 36, 232, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, you know, pr- pretty solid day overall. Uh, that team up north overcame a slow start yesterday, which they were tied with the juggernaut that is Indiana, 10-10 at the half. But they wore down the Hoosiers, coming away with a 31-10 victory. Blake Corum had 25 carries for 124 yards. J.J. McCarthy went 28-36, 304 yards, three touchdowns in the win. In a back-and-forth game we watched before the Buckeyes started, Eric, Purdue out, uh, outlasted Maryland 31-29 for the victory. Despite four turnovers by the Boilermakers, the great effort by Talia Tagovailoa, who went 26-38 of for 315 and three touchdowns in the loss. Uh, Aiden O'Connell looked really strong for Purdue, 30-41, 360, two touchdowns. 
uh, in the win. The Wisconsin Badgers, they bounced back into the win column with a demoralizing beatdown of Northwestern, 42-7. Wisconsin created three turnovers, and Graham Burks like, looked like an All-American out there, going 20 of 29, 299 yards, five touchdowns. Braylon Allen added 23 carries for 135 yards of the win. And guys, here it is, the game of the week. Illinois takes down Iowa in a shootout that ended up 9-6. Guys, this one saw two teams combined for less offense combined than Ohio State put up versus Michigan State by themselves. The teams combined for 538 yards, a total of 15 points, all on field goals, while committing four turnovers and having absolutely no offensive touchdowns. Guys, that is the week that was in the Big Ten. As we've talked about, there are, I believe, at this point, three teams and everybody else. Oh, 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 so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I fell asleep. Yeah, September ended. Go ahead. <laughs> Wake up now. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Green Day. Um, Wake me up when November ends. I'm just over this. Okay. We've been doing this podcast for four seasons. And I had high expectations of this conference this year. This is the worst. This is the worst the Big Ten has looked in the last four years since we've been doing this. Hands down. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Absolutely. Bad. It is a three-horse race. Like, if this is the Kentucky Derby, you have three horses right now that are on the back stretch, and the other <laughs> the other 11 horses all started tripping over each other in the first corner, and it is a melee. You got jockeys falling off of horses. You got horses biting other horses, and somehow the three-legged horse called Illinois is leading that pack. That's what's happening right now. Hey, they're one game for bowl eligibility, Eric. Nebraska was leading the West Friday night, guys. I, I told even, you they were good. I don't even know how to even, like, describe how bad the Big Ten is right now. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, if I'm Gene Smith and I'm uh, the athletic director from the team up north in Penn State, I'm going to – I'm calling up. The, like, can we get USC and UCLA here next year? Scratch that. Let's get them in here now. This is pathetic. We'll, we'll trade them. Northwestern, Wiz, uh, Northwestern, Indiana, Rutgers, and, and let's see. Who else can we throw in there? Oh, we'll throw Nebraska in. We'll give them the four for the two. How about that? It's bad. It's so bad. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just so embarrassed right now as, as a Ohio state fan, which therefore I automatically feel like I need to root for the big 10 when they're, you know, playing, especially the sec and stuff. And it's guys, I, Chris, if there are going to be teams who are bowl eligible in this conference that will get beat by max schools by two scores. Well, I'll tell you what, we saw Kent State make good showings against, uh, you know, what, Georgia? Uh, who, who else did they play? They had three tough out of Oklahoma. Yeah, which they're I, I trash, too. Right now, I think Kent State could come in here and be leading the Big Ten West. Now, that's how bad the Big Ten West is right now. We got three teams, you know, Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska tied for the, the, the lead in the Big Ten West. You know, Let me we ask all were- you. We all were saying, Aaron, we all were saying, gosh, we hope they don't get Kansas because look how bad their football program is. Are they? They're as better than most of what we've got right now. As long as they got the guy that's coaching them, they'll be all right. Golly. Well, you know what's bad is we, we talk about a three-horse race, and two of those horses are going nose-to-nose next week. Yeah, I know. I this, know. this is going to be a two-team race by the time we come back to preview our, our our next game. I truly believe that. Because I'll tell you what, I 
and I know it's going to hurt your buddy Kevin for to hear this, Eric, because they, they were all feeling good about themselves after that Auburn win, especially. Penn State is a paper champion, and I think they're going to be exploited by that team up north. What were you going to say, Aaron? Well, I was going to ask you guys, how do you feel about this strength of schedule? Do you think that they're really preparing us for a postseason run against Georgia and Alabama and, I mean, maybe even Tennessee? Right. You know what? Can I be honest with you right now? Georgia and Alabama don't scare me. Tennessee is actually, I think, better than yeah. both, playing better than both of them right now. Okay, so let me let me say something, all right, about Alabama. They are not as bad as they as the game would suggest from Saturday night. Okay, they had Bryce Young not play, and the guy they kept for whatever reason, they just kept fumbling the ball. And the backup quarterback, Milrow, was th- yeah, I think he threw like two interceptions on top of it. So do I think Ohio State would beat them? Yes, I do right now. If they played tomorrow, Ohio State, I think, would beat them because their coverage is not great. Their secondary looks a little bit suspect, but so does ours. So you do with that information what you will. But I don't think that Alabama is as bad as they appeared on Saturday night against Texas A&M. Are they as bad as they appeared against Texas? I think Texas was way up for that game because, I mean, are we as bad as we looked against Notre Dame? Alabama has had three or four games that they have been close to losing this year. Three, I believe. Three games have been close to losing this year. Texas, Texas A&M, and what was the third game? I'm trying to remember what the third one was, and it wasn't against somebody who was overly great. I think they ended up pulling away right at the end. But through like the first three and a half quarters, it was a close game. Because I feel confident in saying that I think at this point, Texas would probably win the Big Ten West easy. Oh, easily. Easily. I, I As think I Texas, said, Penn I, State I, would probably win the Big Ten West right now. Well, I'm just saying, I, you know, that's Texas was tough. Alabama actually came to Austin and played, you know, wasn't a neutral site game. Um, and they, they did they look bad? No, I think Texas looked that that good. Let's see how Purdue finishes out. Okay. Yes. Let's give them. Let's give Purdue benefit of the doubt. I know they got two losses. One's the Penn State, and the other one I think was the like a bad non-conference loss, like Syracuse or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But I thought they would. I thought they had no chance against Maryland. They went into Maryland and played well, which I thought Maryland was the fourth best team in the Big Ten. So let's give Purdue a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. See how they finish. But if 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 Purdue and the rest of the West hold to this track record. They'll lose a game that you have no, they have no business losing, and it's like, what is what what is happening here? Like, literally, the Big Ten West champion, if you want to call them that, might have three or four losses on their resume when they play the Big the the East champion. And if I kid you not, if I am uh, Karen Warren, I might make a statement that says. If you have three or more conference losses, you are ineligible for for the Big Ten championship game. Done. Make it a rule right now because that's ridiculous. So that leads me to this question, guys. Here it comes. All right. So we here we go. with divisions. Here it comes. No, we already know the answer to that. Yeah, it's got to happen now. It, this, is, this is a this year question. Who is going – we've kind of talked about this the last two, three weeks. Who is going to win the Big Ten West, and why is it going to be Northwestern? <laughs> well, it's not going to be Northwestern, Aaron. I would have jumped on this bandwagon with you had they not been dismantled by Wisconsin. They still have a chance. Uh, no way. I'll, I'll tell you right now. You, you know, you, you might not want to underestimate Illinois. Nah, nine that, that, points, Chris. Nine points, but they nine. are five and one, and they are a field goal away from being six and oh. Okay, okay, and they okay. They crushed okay. Wisconsin. Against okay. sucky teams. Okay. Against sucky if, teams, I give you if that. If Illinois were to, if Ohio State were to play Illinois in a scrimmage next week for fun, 
as Aaron likes we to would say, start our second string. how bad would we beat them? We would start our second string and still beat them by 30 points. Okay, there you go. There's your answer. So if that's who wins the West. But I'm not sure that's not true joke. of anybody in the West right now. Uh, I think Purdue would give you a little bit better of a game. I think Minnesota with a healthy Abraham might give you a little bit better of a game. Not saying that they're going to win, but it would give you a little bit better of a game. But it's just, it's just, it's just sad right now. I can't even talk about it anymore. Let's wrap it up. It, I'm sick to my stomach. And like that, they both look at me like, okay, are you going to throw it was, up? It was such a great <laughs> show up until the last I, 10 minutes, Eric. I was waiting for gagging, you know what I mean? Like, All right, guys. Throw up. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, there's going to be two shows this week. We're going to have our season premiere of Shots from the Shot, our basketball podcast. We're going to have a cigar review as well for you for those who like Buckeye Tobacco. We will be back next weekend for a special mid-season show that Chris and I are going to we're go, we're going to try some things. We're going to try it out. I can't promise that it's going to go well, but we're going to try to go live um, next <laughs> week, next weekend, and we'll see how it see how it goes. It's kind of trying to testing the waters here. If if it doesn't go well, we'll just do a quick a mid-season recording for you all for next Sunday, and then we'll be back on that Thursday to preview the game um against iowa okay guys so that's kind of what we're looking at as always be kind to one another i say that after absolutely just demolishing the west but try to be kind to one another <laughs> iowa someone's <laughs> oh it's in carbon ohio with all your heart and until next time oh iowa go bucks oh come let's sing oh Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship, Ohio. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.